What's going on, man? Welcome back to the basement. I'm Ron. We have been absolutely chugging along on this content train here. We had a video Monday, stream Tuesday, video Wednesday. We're coming back today, Thursday, another video on your head top. We're going to go through my top five rookie running back rankings. We went through my top five wide receiver rankings yesterday, and that's going to kind of be the theme this week. We just had the combine, which means it's time to get serious about making content. And I think now that we have 40-yard dash times, heights, weights, all of that good stuff, it's time to kind of give you guys some rookie comps, right? We can kind of put pen to paper on what these players can look like, their size, their speed, their comps, all of that good stuff. So we'll go through my model, how the running back model works. We'll go through some rookie comps along with the top five rookie running back rankings for me in 2023 post-NFL Combine. So sit tight. If you enjoy, make sure down below, subscribe, leave a like. Let's go. Now, as always, if you find this stuff interesting, I'm going to go through prospect modeling and we're going to go through rookie comps. You can find it all on my Patreon, patreon.com slash Ron Stewart. It'll be down below in the description, the comments, all that good stuff. I have all the 2023 grades on this. We'll go through the top five running backs today. I have like pretty much every running back that went to the combine in the database, wide receivers, tight ends, quarterbacks, every class since 2007. Once the players get drafted, I'll have official rookie comps that I'll have housed on the Discord as well. And you also get my rankings on top of that. So just a disgusting amount of value on there. If you're into that kind of thing, make sure you go check it out. If not, it's all cool. That's what we're here for today. Now, when it comes to the running back position, let's zoom out and talk about how my prospect model works. Because again, I talked about it yesterday. I don't just want to present to you guys like a prospect model and just like talk about it as gospel and just be like, hey guys, like trust me, like this thing is sweet. Like let's actually talk through it, how it works, what stats I found to be important, all of that good stuff. So I have the name of my models as the RS grades, just stands for Ron Stewart grades. It's just kind of what we're working with at this point. And this is kind of how it breaks up for the running back position. We have production at 38.5%. Film 25.5%, athleticism, receiving, age profile. And I kind of want to brush up on what each of these even mean. So let's sort of start here with production. It makes up 38.5% of the model here. And the biggest input isn't even necessarily like a counting, you know, stat metric. It's SRS. It makes up 16.5% of the model alone. And this is what SRS is. It's simple rating system, a rating that takes into account average point differential and strength of schedule. The rating is denominated in points above such below average where zero is average. So it's a fancy way of sort of giving a power rating to teams because we want players who played on good teams, especially at the running back position. We want to make sure that we aren't giving too much credit to the small school mega producers, right? Our Najee Harris's, our Josh Jacobs, these guys who were really good at big schools but didn't get on the field early, we want to make sure that we're giving those guys a boost because <clears throat> when we're talking about factories of Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, these running back schools, you're not going to get like the 99th percentile breakout age and all of that for these guys. So you kind of got to give them a little bit of a nudge here. You don't want to be valuing you know, your Fordham, Marshall, mega producers over guys who didn't produce early at the big schools. Ideally, we want those guys at the big schools are playing against better competition. They probably have better pedigree, all of that. Now, after SRS is when it gets a little bit more tricky. And this is where we get into just our normal stats here. Largely, 
market share of rushing yards, which market share of rushing yards is just your percentage of a team's total rushing yards. So how much of the rushing yards are you accounting for? And then adjusted yards per team play, which is just essentially on a per play basis, how much are you contributing to your offense? It has a skew towards receiving. So I believe it's literally rushing yards plus times two receiving yards divided by total team plays. How efficient are you? How much are you impacting your offense on a per play basis? Now, the confusing parts is the experience adjusted, age adjusted, over expected, but it's really not that complicated. Experience adjusting just means year one, year two, year three, or like freshman, sophomore, junior. Because sometimes guys come into the league, like I know Calvin Ridley, uh, he was literally too old to play his senior year in high school. I think he was like a 20-year-old freshman. Honestly, shout out to Calvin Ridley. He wrote like a, a really cool article the other day uh, sort of talking about the whole gambling thing and kind of where he's been at. He had a really tough upbringing, which I imagine probably accounted for why he was such an old freshman or like such an old senior, whether, you know, getting held back or anything like that. We, it's probably unfair to a guy like Calvin Ridley to, you know, ding him and just count his freshman year as a year 20 season when it's just his first year in college. Like Calvin Ridley's a guy, if you look at his pro, if you look at his production through the lens of experience adjusting, he looks amazing. If you look at through the lens of age adjusting, it's not that great. So I like to use both in my models just to kind of give, you know, two different looks in that department. And then we have overexpected. So let's talk about overexpected through the lens of rushing yard market share. I take every running back that has ever had a top 12 point per game season since 2007, and I find their average year one rushing yard market share. And then from there, you can do year one, year two, year three, year four. And then for running backs, right, a prospect, you take into account how much above and below each of those thresholds every single year that they're hitting. And I take into account the average of all of them. And that gives you your average age adjusted market share rushing yards over expected, which is a complete mouthful. Now we do the same thing for adjusted yards per team play, but we also take not just the average, but we take your best season as well because we want not only like sustained success over a long period, we want guys who truly dominated for a year or two just to sort of you know highlight that ceiling, highlight that huge, huge upside. Then we also have two stats on the bottom here, breakout year, breakout age, 2% and 2%. Not really big inputs, but we do want guys who break out early. Uh, breakout year is the first year you hit my adjusted yards per team play threshold, right? So I have a certain threshold, year one, year two, year three, year four. The first time that you have a positive adjusted yards per team play over expected, that's your breakout year. So if you hit that threshold in year one, it's year one, year two, year two, all of that. And then you're just standard breakout age, which is I think the first year you hit a 15% dominator rating or better, which is kind of like an outdated stat, but it's fine as a really small input. Again, we want guys who produce early on. Moving on, we have the film. 25.5% of the model is film. Now, some people might not consider draft capital film. I do, though. Like, if you ask, like, these scouts, if you ask anybody from NFL front offices, I think, yes, they have analytic departments. I think probably fewer teams than you would think have, like, a true, true analytic, uh, not background, but, you know, analytic, you know, front office or analytic-driven front office. I think a lot of these guys are still, you know, they're hiring area scouts. We're going to games. They're at the pro days, at the combines, hand-timing 40s, watching the all-22s on the projector. And draft capital is really strong. You know, I think it's the biggest input in the entire model, and that's really how it should be. Draft capital, good players get drafted higher from a macro perspective. After that, we have athleticism, which matters a ton for running backs. Ideally, we want our running backs to be athletic, right? The top guys out there, McCaffrey was really athletic. Uh, Eckler is really athletic. Saquon, all of these guys at the top. 
Brees Hall, all these guys, absolute freak shows when it comes to, you know, size, speed, athleticism, all of that stuff. And the biggest input we have is speed score at 14.5%, which is just weight adjusted 40 time. We want big guys who run fast at the running back position. You know, our Jonathan Taylors, our Saquon Barkley's, our Brees Hall's. And then we also have RES, which is much smaller, just a 3% input. But that takes into account not just size and speed, but also explosion and agility and kind of... Uh, I'm trying to think of guys that kind of do better in RES. I think Zach Charbonnet is one of them we'll get to in a little bit. Uh, Javante Williams is one of them as well. Guys who didn't run really great in a straight line, but either you know did well in agility or in the explosion drills, which is also important. Now, it's just used as 3%, but RES is also one of my multipliers that you'll see on the bottom of the screen. And the whole idea with multipliers is I add them at the end of the process. So you have your pre-multiplier RS grades, and the idea here is that we want players that already have the prerequisite strong profile to then give them that added boost because we don't want to, you know, we don't want to bring up our Jonathan Taylors and Brees Hall and have our like Kalen Bellagios and Trey Sermons come along with them. We want already strong profiles so that we're enhancing the already good ones. Again, we don't want to bring up those like combine warriors that go day three or like don't have strong production profiles just because they're athletic. We want guys who we're good in college, and then we'll, we'll add that even extra boost on top of that for producing and being an athletic freak at the combine. <clears throat> now, you'll also see the other multipliers on the bottom. Lane Zierlein grades have been on record. His grades are amazing for running back. And then also, Grand Barfield yards created. <clears throat> also, absolutely amazing. And it works in a similar way. You already have a strong profile, and then you, you know hit one of my thresholds in either of those. You'll get another bump up. After athleticism... We have receiving, which I probably could have left in production, but I wanted to make it separate, especially for the comps so that we can kind of get a feel for uh, receiving yard upside. And this is going to be really similar to the average age-adjusted market share of rushing yards over expected. Literally the same thing, but it's receiving yards market share. So just how much of the receiving yards are you accounting for and then over under expected and it's age-adjusted. Now, after that, this is experience-adjusted. This is a new stat that I added this offseason. Average PPR receiving points per game over expected. And this is experience adjusted again. And that's, this stat is really fun. And what it is, is we want running backs, especially in the modern NFL, where there really is no, I mean, there's bell cows sometimes, but there isn't that, you know, like priest homes, like you're not going to get, I mean, outside of like Derrick Henry, in terms of like getting the volume we saw in like the 2010s and the 2000s. That's not there anymore. If you want to hit a ceiling in fantasy, it's going to come from the receiving game. I think this is a good way to look at it. This stat, 4.5% isn't a huge input, but essentially what it is, is it's your points per game on a per season basis based strictly on receptions, receiving yards, receiving touchdowns. So it's literally just your points per game from the receiving game. And I just have thresholds for every single year. I take your over expected or under expected. And this is what the stat spits out for running backs taken in rounds one through three since 2015 and i would say it's it's pretty strong again it's just a 4.5 percent input so this is not some like magic stat or you can just you know use this as a north star but i think it's pretty solid right it takes into account uh or it takes your you know last however many draft classes and it puts mixon david johnson mccaffrey saquon alvin kamara todd Gurley, Brees hall davin cook towards the top um, and, it, you know, it puts your TJ Yeldon's, Sony Michelle's, Alexander Madison's, Clyde Edwards-Alaire's, on Johnson's, Royce Freeman's on the bottom. You know, it's not perfect, right? You have Leonard Fournette probably lower than you like him. You have Josh Jacobs a little bit lower than he should be maybe. But I think it is a good gauge to just kind of 
add to the receiving profile aspect. And again, it's not the biggest input in the world. So if you bomb it, it's not the end of the world. And if you do super, super well in it, it's not going to carry you further than you should be carried. Now, our last input here is age profile, and it makes up 8% of the model. And this one is pretty simple. It's literally just draft age and early declare status. Ideally, we want younger players, players who, you know, flashed early, went to the NFL earlier. I will say, uh, being an older running back prospect isn't as bad as being an older wide receiver prospect. You can be like age, I think for me in the model, you can be anywhere from 20 to 22. And as long as you're an early declarer, that's fine. If you're a 22 non-early declarer, it's really not that bad either. It's really when you get to like age 23, 24, 25, that it becomes a problem at running back. Now, I take into account all of these stats, grade them all on a 10-point scale, and RS grades are essentially like a GPA where, you know, you have your A-plus in math, your A-minus in science, your, you know, C-plus in English or whatever. Take into account all of them, and you get an all-encompassing, nice GPA for these players. So sort of the way that I, I, I don't know why I'm at a loss for words here, but the way that I make this work is I literally go through every single stat here, and you can see, I'll show you guys what it looks like with draft capital. And you can see, I take into account a player's points per game through their first three seasons in each and every single round. And then from there, you can kind of derive a letter grade for each and every threshold, right? So the average year one guy gets 13 points per game in their first three years. Decent jump to round two where you, where you have B+. Plus. Really not a jump at all to round three. I say this all the time, but people don't understand the running back position. It is first round, it is day two, and then it's day three. The difference from round three to round four is absolutely insane. 9.11 points per game to 5.6 is a really, really big drop off. So with that, we do that for every single stat. We then come up with grades and you then have a scale of one to 10. You have an RS grade for each player. Now, when it spits out the RS grades, we'll have players that are like 9.99 and 9.93. The goal here is not to just, you know, hit sort. And that is my rookie rankings. We want this to kind of guide us, right? The whole idea here is I don't want them to make my rankings for me, the RS grades, the model, whatever. I don't want them to make my rankings for me. I just want me to, I just want them to point me in the direction of where the tier breaks are, where the groupings are, and then also compare the strength of prospects across each class, right? So Bijan is better than Gibbs and he's better than Charbonnet, but neither of those guys are really great prospects. So I wanted to make a, a way that we kind of historically compare Bijan to other classes. Is he RB1 in the way that Najee Harris was RB1? Or was he RB1 in the way, the way that Saquon was RB1? You know what I mean? Once you get to that top end of your running back rankings, it's hard to kind of give yourself that historical, uh, you know, context of kind of like, yeah, he's RB1 in this class, but how strong of an RB1 really is he? And that's kind of the point here. So I break into, you know, a bunch of different hit rate tiers based on these RS grades. And that's kind of what we're looking at with this chart. This is from 2007 to 2020 in terms of the hit rates. Legendary is your Bijans, Zeke's, Saquon's. 10 plus grade, 100% top 12 running back point per game seasons out of them. They average 19.35 points per game in their first three seasons, which is pretty insane. That would be like a top five running back last year. Then you have Elite. These are guys with RS grades of 7.99 or better about an 82% hit rate of hitting a top 12 uh, season. Much less points per game at 13.76, but again, it's it, those top, top guys are that good. Then you have gold, which is about a 50% hit rate of top 12 running back seasons. Silver is 15%, bronze is 6%. So just a way of 
sorting out and just kind of putting players into buckets of, okay, these guys have this hit rate, these guys have this hit rate, and kind of gives us groupings and then historical context among other classes. So if you kind of just want to get a feel for what these RS grades look like, this is just a random sample from 2020 to 2018 draft classes. So you have Saquon at the top, then JT, Jacobs, Chubb, Swift. You know, you don't love Clyde Edwards-Alaire that high, but I think on the total, this looks pretty damn good. You know what I mean? You have all of the top 12 running back seasons outside of David Montgomery, all there at the top, elite and above. I think, to me, like this looks really, really solid. You're never going to have a perfect list. You're going to run into, you know, overfitting and stuff, but I think this looks pretty damn good if I may say myself. Now, we talked about this yesterday. Prospect models aren't worth a damn if they're not beating out draft capital. And I would honestly say, even though I am, you know, you guys know me as like a zero RB guy. I love wide receivers. I think if you were to ask me which model is the strongest between running back, wide receiver, I mean, they all have different R squared values and they all have different hit rates. I think running back is probably the strongest one, if I'm being honest with you. Point five six two R squared, right? So this is comparison of running back RS grades from years 2007 to 2020 compared to their points per game they put up in their first three years. And then the uh, chart on the right side is draft pick instead of RS grade. So you can kind of compare. Draft picks have a 0.375 R squared, two first three-year points per game. RS grades have 0.562, which is pretty damn good, man. That's a really, really strong number. Now, RS or R squared is just how correlated a variable is to another on a zero to one scale. So we have RS grades, how predictive are they on a zero to one scale of predicting year one to three points per game 0.562 on a zero to one scale when we're dealing with like human variables right it's we're not talking about like you know the size of mouses or something like that we're talking about you know nfl success which is really hard to predict or chart or anything like that so i think that's really damn good now that is our entire running back rs grade breakdown here so let's talk through my top five running backs. We'll see the rookie comps that my model spits out for them. And I just want to say, I didn't go super, super in depth on these. I always say that, like, we're going to go, this is going to be a 40 minute long video, but I like prefacing that just because, you know, I spent a lot of time on that first part. So I didn't have as much time to dive into these five running backs. These videos here, I'm going to have a tight end model video as well, probably tomorrow. The whole idea is I just kind of want to give you guys an intro to this class and just kind of give you guys my thoughts from a service level standpoint on these guys. And we have plenty of time. They get super, super into the weeds on these guys. So when we talk about running back one, it is really, really simple. It is Bijan Robinson. Anybody telling you that Bijan is not the RB1 or that he's not the 101, you should really be questioning um, what those guys are on about. Now, let's read through the chart here and just kind of tell you guys what's going on here. Pretty much, I don't have a set in stone system of how I come with these comps. I pretty much, what I do is Bijan's legendary, right? So I take one tier above, one tier below. Legendary doesn't have a tier above. So legendary and elite running backs. And then I kind of get some like height, weight, BMI. I kind of like get like a group of like 20 running backs. And then I start filtering for production, film, athleticism, receiving, age profile. So all the categories we just talked about, I literally break up the model instead of, you know, it has the RS grade, but instead of that, I just sort of um, divide it up into five pieces. So we can kind of, you know, play around with the different parts of these profiles. And we look at Bijan, and he hits legendary, which is really, really exciting. I will say the crazy part about Bijan, man, it's tough to find comps for Bijan. His receiving grade, right? His receiving grade here is A+. 
So it's really hard to find a guy at running back who's going to be legendary, who's also 215 pounds plus, has you know a 9.81 RAS, 215 pounds. It's really tough to find a guy that looks like that because you can sort of get the... Uh, you can get a similar prospect in Saquon, right? Because he caught a lot of passes, but he's 233 pounds, runs like a 4-4. So he's a different size speed, uh, like specimen versus a, a guy like Saquon or versus a guy like Bijan. So he doesn't really look work as a comp, Saquon. But I think Todd Gurley and Marshawn Lynch are both really good comps. I know Marshawn Lynch, I want to say uh, player profilers had Marshawn Lynch as a comp for Bijan. I think that's a great comp. Uh, Marshawn Lynch actually caught passes a decent bit in college. I think that he was sort of, more of a grinder by the time that he got to like the Seahawks, wasn't really a pass catcher or anything. But they highlight his upside, right? Marshall Lynch has top five finishes. Todd Gurley has been absolutely insane despite not even really catching a ton of passes. Now, Bijan's going to be a round one running back, legendary prospect. I don't think David Johnson is as perfect as a comp of Todd Gurley, but in terms of his like ceiling and receiving ceiling, I think David Johnson's a good comp, which is why I kept him here despite having, you know, round three draft capital. Because if you look at it, him and Bijan have literally about a 30 BMI. I think David Johnson's a little bit taller and a little bit heavier, but same BMI, 9.8 plus RAS, and then they both have an A plus or better receiving grade. I think if we're talking about what Bijan looks like at his absolute, like, pinnacle, I think that David Johnson RB1 overall season where he had, like, 20 touchdowns, 2,000 yards from scrimmage, 120 targets. That's well within Bijan's range, I think, as early as like his first two to three seasons. I really do. I think he's that good. Um, he is as sure thing, as sure things come. He is a 21-year-old early declare, crushes his age profile. He's a big athletic back. He's a lock to go round one. If this was like 2018, he probably goes like top five, top 10 in the NFL draft. He's produced since his freshman year. He catches passes. There's literally nothing more that you could want from him. He ran fast at the combine. I thought he was going to run mid four fives. He runs like mid to high four fours. He is the truth. And he comes in. I mean, I'm going to do my rankings this weekend. I think that he's going to come out as my RB1 in all of Dynasty, right? He's going to come in 21 years old, have as much upside as anybody. And he's already respected on underdog, by the way. Underdog is big board drafts, which is really cool. We're getting ADP for the 2023 redraft season already i'm in there hopping in drafts i'll probably do a stream on saturday uh promo code ron will get you deposit match all the way up to 100 i have a link in the description down below where if you click on it it'll take you to underdog or whatever and if we'll see here he's already there he is already a top five running back in redraft adp he is ahead of saquon he's ahead of derrick henry ahead of kenneth walker Brees hall nick chubb travis Etienne, josh jacobs he is already a 14 adp means that he is the 202 right now and he hasn't even been drafted yet. So the minute he gets drafted, you are getting the RB1 overall in all of Dynasty. You're getting a top five redraft fantasy running back that's going to produce points out the gate. Now, I know that this is redraft, but I think it's important in Dynasty that we kind of look at other markets and kind of see what the consensus is. But it's absolutely wild. If you draft Bijan, you better be ready to score points and compete out the gate because he's already being treated as an elite redraft asset. So that's really the one thing with Bijan is if you're at the 101, you're not ready to compete you should probably be trying to sell him for an elite quarterback. Like if you can get into like the Trevor Lawrence conversation or Justin Fields conversation, I'm not saying to sell Bijan because you shouldn't, but you know, if you have one of these teams with like 423 first and like 424 first, and you don't think it'll compete until 2024, maybe see what you could get for Bijan. Now, after that, we have Jameer Gibbs pretty handedly 
as my RB2 here. And these comps are really interesting. He comes in as a high-end gold tier with a ton of upside. Now, it's important to note that he's gold tier, but he would be elite if he goes first round. I have him conservatively projected right now. So you'll see like draft round and draft pick. For any of these prospects that are highlighted, it's just projected draft capital. I like to be conservative, so I have him projected for second round. He could easily go in the first round. He could also get an upgrade if he does well in like yards created or he gives like a better time at his pro day or something. There's a pretty wide range here for Gibbs, right? So right now, we'll just treat him as a second rounder, gold prospect. And because of his wide range, that's why there's so many more names on here than with Bijan. Now, we talked about this, but his like second round draft capital, I would say his non-elite RAS as well, just a 7.95 because he came in at 199 pounds is what kept him out of elite, but it still shows that he has that, you know, Jamal Charles, LaShawn McCoy upside as an undersized PPR monster, but he also does have a low floor. There is a chance that he comes to the NFL at 199 pounds and a team pigeonholes him into that Giovanni Bernard role, into that Duke Johnson role. So he could very easily come into the league and just get put in a satellite back role and never really realize that full potential. That is the downside with Jameer Gibbs. That's the risk you run with a 199 pound pass catching back. That's the floor, right? The floor isn't very high, but I will say the floor is pretty high from a dynasty perspective as like a 21 year old running back. Even if he comes in and is like a satellite back, I think that there would be sell opportunities at like top 12 running back prices even then, just because you don't have to flash a ton. Like we saw Cam Akers' his rookie year played like, what, like three meaningful games and got bumped up a ton. Uh, sort of similar story with Dobbins. You could sort of make the same case with uh, not Damian Pierce, but you see it all the time. Guys don't do a ton. I mean, Travis Etienne didn't really, he didn't play year one and he came in his next year as like RB8 in Dynasty. So young running backs get valued so highly that I think you do have some insulation, even if it seems like he's heading towards that floor. Regardless, the floor is low, but the ceiling is also high. Now, I'm not using these guys as comps. I, I, I want to get out ahead of that. Don't say I don't know ball. Aaron Jones, Alvin Kamara are both bigger than Jameer Gibbs, but I'm saying from a role perspective, I think he could be that ultra-efficient, high-value touches, right, targets, goal line looks, and just be hyper-efficient on those touches like those guys have, like LaShawn McCoy and Jamal Charles were in years past. I think he could be that guy. So the sky is the limit for him. He's the only guy on this list with an A++ receiving, and that's because he's just a, in a tier of his own as a receiving prospect at running back. He goes toe-to-toe -to -toe with literally the best of him, uh, of the best of them. This is him next to all of the legendary running back prospects. So Bijan's on here, Gurley, McCaffrey, and when it comes to receiving yard market share, he blows everyone out of the water in year one. He goes toe-to-toe -to -toe with McCaffrey in year two, the only guy that even really paces with McCaffrey and then year three, he transfers to Alabama. And even there, he still has a better receiving yard market share than a guy like Bijan did this year. So there's a lot to be excited. On the whole, his receiving profile is absolutely insane. And in a world like we're in right now, where bell cow is going extinct, running back scoring has been down over the last two years, I want the guys who can hit 80-plus receptions or have the upside for that, like, McCaffrey, Eckler last year, Kamara in his 25-point-per-game season, I think Gibbs has a path to that upside. And it's why names, you know, like Chris Johnson, like CJ Spiller, like Jamal Charles pop up for him. He has 4.36, like special speed to make up for that 200-pound size or 199-pound size. 
And I think like CJ Spiller is not a sexy comp and like Reggie Bush isn't either, but you can make the case that those guys came into the NFL during a time where their skill sets weren't coveted, right? Those were smaller, efficient pass catching backs that came in like probably like five, five to 10 years too early for that role to really be realized in the NFL. So that's why I'm excited about him. Again, the upside is Eckler, McCaffrey, top five running back, 20 plus point per game season. The floor though, and why he's RB2 and why he's just a gold prospect is, you know, your Giovanni Bernard, your Duke Johnson, your James Cook this past season, your Naeem Hines, like he could just be a pass catching running back, part-time committee guy. And that's not all that sexy to use like a mid first round pick in this draft class with. So I think if he goes first round in the NFL draft, that at least limits some of that downside where if a team spends that high of draft capital, late first round draft capital on Gibbs, I think he at least gets the benefit of the doubt early on into having a big role. Now, again, he's never going to have a 20 plus touch role, but I think if he was used in the first round, he's not just going to be, you know, discarded to the side and used like a luxury. You know what I mean? I think that they will actually put him to use and that'll sort of raise his floor a little bit, get him into the elite area. So just keep an eye on where his draft capital is. For me, first round versus second round for running backs is a really, really big drop off point. We saw earlier, I think like 13 points per game plus in your first three years is round one running backs. It drops down to like nine for round two. Now, after that, we have our RB3 here, Zach Charbonnet. And Sharb is sort of weird for me just because I think he's just fine. He broke out in year one at Michigan. He then had a down year. He transfers and has two solid years at UCLA. And I think his profile kind of boils down to this. He's six foot. 214 pounds, big back, had over 60 receptions in his final two years at UCLA, and is a lock to go day two in the NFL draft. He should be a third, three down back. He tested really well in the explosive drills. He should get drafted highly. He can catch passes. That's all really interesting. Now, these comps are not as sexy as sort of what I just said here. And I think some of what's sort of bringing him down is he put up a really nice 9.68 RAS, but we talked about this earlier, just 3% of the model. He had a mediocre speed score at 214 pounds, only just mid four fives, which isn't like terrible or anything, but doesn't really do justice that high RAS score. So he's in a spot where his base grade isn't enough to get the RAS multiplier from that 9.68. So he kind of just sinks to the mid to low end of the silver tier, but that's not necessarily like the end of the world, right? We sort of talked through why he's interesting. Again, three down skill set, lock to get good draft capital. And his comps like aren't all that sexy, but they're also pretty fine. Like I think when we look at a guy that you're taking like as a late first, he's silver. I'll be treating him a little bit more than that because we know the kind of value gain that you can get from running backs. Like, you know, Javante in a stack 2021 class where you could get him, you know, Trevor Lawrence, all those guys got taken up top. You get him in the late first and then he was returning crazy ROI on that investment. <clears throat> Same with even like carry on. If you guys remember carry on Johnson's on this list. Carry on Johnson was like a third round startup pick after his like first year or two. Same with Cam Akers as well. Like it, it's not very hard at all for Zach Charbonnet to be like a top four startup pick after year one. I think that's kind of the selling point is the three down uh, skill set. It's the value gain in terms of just young running backs. And that's intriguing to me. Again, this doesn't look all that sexy, right? Where you kind of see him next to like Rashad Penny and like Bishop Sankey and CJ Procise and Charles Sims. And it's a scary list. I don't think the profile is that strong, but I can see a way that he produces early and gains a ton of value. And I think that that is 
really valuable to consider as well. So I think he's a low-end gold. I'll probably be treating him more, or uh, he's a low-end silver. I'll probably be treating him more as like a high-end silver, low-end gold, kind of like Cam Akers. I think Cam Akers is a really good comp for him as someone that has an all-purpose skill set, decent size, can catch passes, big opportunity to gain value after year one. So he's fine to me. I know some guys are just like absolutely head over heels for Sharp. I think he's okay. You know what I mean? I think like Kareem Hunt, uh, like Javante, I think Norshawn Moreno is actually kind of a decent comp for him too. Cam Akers, Carryon Johnson, I think are all decent comps are kind of what you're looking at with Zach Charbonnet. Now, after that, <clears throat> we have a big tier break down to our RB4, which is Devin Achan. And he is such a tough prospect to wrap my head around. He's the RB4. <clears throat> His profile isn't great, but like gun to my head. After Charbonnet, I think A-Chain is the next best bet by a lot to go day two. I think because of that speed here on a 4-3-2, he is a lock to go day two in the NFL draft. And we're talking about prospects this far out in March at the running back position. Day two draft capital is everything here. And when we talk about Devin A-Chain and his comps, let's talk about his worst attribute, which is the size. The size is an issue. It made it excruciating to find some comps for this guy he is 5'8 188 pounds on the high end you can say like Javid Bess is a decent comp I think James Cook you know like Michael James Tariq Cohen are like his lower end comps like you can say Justice Hill in there too if he was to go day three it's really tough it's tough to get all that excited for a player this small uh but you can you can sort of talk yourself into him right where in the modern NFL, we're seeing smaller players. Like, we're seeing Ecklers absolutely ball out. You know, you can kind of talk yourself into the Darren Sproles comp if you want. RAS, if you go on their website, he's the first comp that comes up. Sproles a little bit more compact at 5'6", but similar builds. A-Chain's 4'3'2 is a lot faster. Like, you can kind of talk yourself into that, but Darren Sproles was never a guy that, you know, dominated a backfield or anything like that. He did give you some RB1 seasons, Again, like it's it's tough. I'm trying I'm trying to talk myself into Devin A chain because of the draft capital. Um, but it is tough. Now I will say I think I'm probably doing him a little bit too dirty here. There are things with Devin A chain that should make you interested, right? There's plenty to like. He caught passes. We can see here. These are like all of the like running backs from like RB five to like RB twelve, right? Like Tank Bigsby, Roshan Johnson, Evans, Tucker, A chain. He pops out right. He has the best receiving yard market share in year one, the second best in year two. He's in the mix towards the top in year three. He catches passes, which is good because we want that for a guy with that size. But there's actually, okay, so I was doing him dirty. I, I wrote some good things down here, okay? He produced in the SEC next to NFL running back Isaiah Spiller. He broke out in year one, 21-year-old early declare, 4-3-2 speed, super dynamic, which I absolutely love. You guys know me. I love dynamic players. This is a crazy stat to me. I don't know if it'll really register for you guys, but he has 20 career kick returns, which isn't a lot. And he has two touchdowns on those in the SEC, one of them against Alabama. He is a freak. <clears throat> He's dynamic. He has good – I'd imagine if you're good on kick returns, you have, like, decent vision or just, like, being electric in the open field. And I'll give him credit as well. He's not just a satellite back. This past year, I believe that he averaged over 100 rushing yards per game in the SEC, which is really good. So he's not a complete zero between the tackles. I know a lot of uh, film grinders would almost say – uh, or almost like plead to you that he isn't a satellite back. He's really more of a between the tackles guy, or maybe not even between the tackles, but like off tackle, outside zone type guy. I think can run between the tackles as well, even though he's undersized. And he can also catch passes. So it's interesting that he's not 
just a pass catcher. Um, it's just a matter of if that translates to the NFL at that size. So he kind of has a lot of these similar concerns as Gibbs where he's undersized. He could get, you know, pigeonholed into a Tariq Cohen role, which is like kind of interesting. But, you know, Devin Achan is going to be a late first in rookie drafts, like early second. Do you want like a Tariq Cohen, Naeem Hines there? Probably not. But you can talk yourself into the upside of, you know, early career Austin Eckler, where Eckler was next to Melvin Gordon and still being hyper-efficient, catching passes, all of that. There's a path for Devin Achan to do that. It's just a really na- it's just a really narrow, you know, it's a really narrow hole that you got to kind of, I don't know. It's a, that's, a, that's a weird comparison. You get what I'm saying. You know what I mean? You got to hit a hole in one with Devin Achan. A lot of things kind of have to hit right for him. Really, the biggest reason to be in on him is because NFL loves speed, and we have a billion running backs that could go day two. I think Gibbs, Sharp, A-Chain are all locks to go day two. After that, I think it's anybody's guess. Um, and that brings us to RB5, which is another big tier break because of what we just talked about, where we don't know what running backs will get taken day two. It's tough with Tucker because he's someone who I love on paper, but I'm just not sure the NFL loves him. And that's sort of the story with like RB5 through like RB12. I'll have them all jumbled together. I wouldn't want to take my RB5 until like mid to late second round of rookie drafts. I think that's kind of where this draft is amazing. That RB5 is like RB15. Your late seconds, your thirds, your fourths, just take a flyer on any of these running backs. It is a crazy deep running back class, but it's also why... Like nothing's really rising the top to the top until we get draft capital. Like, I think Kendra Miller's a sleeper to get into the, this conversation. Go day two. Um, same with like a Tank Bigsby. Same with a Zach Evans. Same with a lot of guys out there. Now, when we talk about Sean Tucker, the draft capital or the projected draft capital is his worst trait. But on paper, he looks amazing. Now I will say, he went to the combine, weighed in at two hundred seven pounds, didn't test, which sucks because. We need him to do something to kind of get the attention of GMs, of front offices, and he didn't run there. He came in at 207 pounds. So I left his comp super wide because of that, because he doesn't have a 40-yard dash or anything like that. But if you had to ask, like, which of these comps do I like the most, it'd probably be Duke Johnson in a good way. These are both ACC running backs, have, you know, all-purpose skill sets. It's just that Duke Johnson might suffer the same, or Sean Tucker might suffer the same fate as Duke Johnson. And the same concerns we have with the two previous running backs is when you catch passes at a rate that he does and you're sub like 210 pounds, you might get pigeonholed into the Duke Johnson role where you're just catching passes as a committee back in the NFL, which isn't all that great. Now, again, Tucker could fall in the NFL draft. Like I think he could fall as far as like round five, six, seven. He was left out of Dane Brugler's top 100 in February. He didn't test. He played at Syracuse as a three-star recruit. We needed him to blaze the combine. So now we kind of have to hope that he goes out here, goes crazy at his pro day. Um, now, I will say, he's projected as a fourth rounder as of today. If he goes anywhere in day two, if he goes late, you know, third round, he becomes a gold, which is exciting. Again, the numbers love Sean Tucker. It's just of the NFL also like Sean Tucker. We need the NFL to like Sean Tucker for us to also then be all in on Sean Tucker. And I guess as well, like 5.4 yards per carry in the ACC isn't great either, but everything else number-wise is absolutely solid. He's a 21-year-old early declare. He broke out in year one. 
He has an A grade in receiving here, as you guys can see. He had 64 catches, 622 yards, and four touchdowns over three seasons through the air. Solid producer throughout. There's really nothing not to like here. Now, if we put him up against the other running backs that we looked at earlier, uh, but we do adjusted yards per team play, for so just your overall production on a per-play basis, he leads them all in year one. He eats, he leads them all in year two. He is just behind Devin A. Chain in year three. Again, on paper, numbers-wise, he looks amazing. It's just simply going to come down to pro day and draft capital because let's say he goes day three. Popping on the numbers like this isn't all that. Like day three running backs, it's almost more tape-oriented. It's almost more getting on the field early, like we saw with Damian Pierce last year. Um, analytical stuff and all that. Once you get to day three, it gets really, really tricky. Um, you know, like Damian Pierce versus like a Kenny Gainwell or something. Kenny Gainwell looks amazing on paper. Damian Pierce doesn't, but Damian Pierce gets on the field early, doesn't that coaches like. So it's almost a different equation once you get outside of day two. And that's kind of the fear with Sean Tucker. So that is going to do it for us today. Another 40-minute video almost right on the dot here. If you enjoyed, make sure you go down below. Leave a like, subscribe. If you want access and you are an absolute sicko for this stuff, I have, again, all the 2023 grades on patreon.com slash Ron Stewart. It'll be down below in the description, down below in the comments. It has all of the running backs, so like not just the top five. It has like the top like 20, 25. It has all of my RS grades since 2007. Uh, even if, if you're into Devi as well, uh, like I think gold and above tier on the Patreon, you can get my 2024 grades, my 2025 grades. So I run even like Quinshawn Judkins and, you know, uh, who are some of those other guys? Like Trevion Henderson, uh, Rocket Sanders. I put them through the RS grading stuff. They spit out numbers, which is really cool to look at. Um, also, Dynasty Rankings I'll have on the weekend. So a lot of stuff on there if you're interested in that. If not, it's all good. As always, I think I just asked for you guys to like and subscribe. But as, as always, like and subscribe. I also put, if you guys like like uh, prefer to listen to stuff like on your way to work or whatever, I should have a working podcast feed in the description. If anybody is like listening this far, check one of those links and see if it's actually working for me, okay? Um, I've had people like say that like the podcast doesn't work in the past, so I don't know. We'll see. Um, regardless, appreciate you guys watching, and I will see y'all in the next one. I got the juice. I got the juice. Channel, on. Foolies glad I'm on. Even my haters kind of glad I'm on. Rest in peace to my bag up on. Rapper, song, singer, suspended subpoena from Mr. Mean.